Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I am here with a very good friend of the show, Lucy Rivers, and today we're going to talk about Bojack Horseman and how women are portrayed in Bojack Horseman. So excited. Thank you so much for being here, Lucy. Oh I'm God. so excited, too. I'm so excited. I'm so pleased yeah, to be I back. I love nerding out. Yes. Nerding yes out I love is, nerding out. Nerding out is About television with you. Thank you. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here again. Yes. And I'm so excited to have you here because you are an expert on Bojack Horseman and its cultural significance in the ways that it depicts mental illness. But I know you have a lot to say about what it says about women as well. I certainly do. I don't know that expert is the right word to use. But yes, I'm so excited to be here and really, really excited just to nerd out about it, like hugely. Yes. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your academic work. How did you stumble into it? And what is it about Bojack in particular that really caught your attention? Uh, well, let's see. Okay, so I probably have to go back a bit because, like all things, it goes back quite a way, doesn't it, where you wind up. So I grew up in the Middle East between like 5 and 15. Like, obviously, I sound very English, but quite a lot of my formative years were abroad. And I think that meant that sitcoms and TV shows became my friends quite a lot of the time. (laughs) So that's one thing. Same. That's one thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I left school early at 13 and became home educated. So again, (laughs) even more opportunity to just bury myself in my obsessions and hold myself up in my bedroom and basically just pour obsessively over sitcoms and movies and books and the internet uh, for several years. When it came to my first job, well, obviously that had to be at the cinema because I had to get free films. And uh, obviously. obviously. (laughs) But I did realise I wanted something more challenging than that. It's almost like, you know, I wanted to just be in the films. It wasn't enough to be working at the stand outside the films. So I chose um, I chose the path to higher education and I had to take an access to higher education course. So I did that in the evenings after working and managed to get a star equivalent results in the end, which managed to get me my place at my first choice university. That was University of East Anglia. There I got my bachelor's and my master's in film and television. And basically straight after that, wound up just going straight into a PhD as well. I am now a postgraduate researcher and I work specifically on sitcoms. My my work is particularly looking at the representation of mental health in contemporary US sitcoms. And I'm now a distance student with a chill university doing uh, studying that. I went to UEA because I wanted to be able to do a sitcom module. And the only place that I spotted that had one was UEA. So it had a part in deciding where I even went to, to begin with. Unfortunately, that module was too late in my BA for me to actually decide to make my thesis about sitcom. I'd already had to start my thesis. But as soon as it came around to master, it's like, well, I'm going to write something about sitcom, I think. (laughs) So that's what I focused on. And that's where the sort of the ladies come in, because my focus for my master's was the representation of women in sitcom kind of went all the way back to I Love Lucy and right all the way up to Big Bang Theory with that. And that was probably a bit too ambitious, to be honest. <laughs> a little bit too ambitious. <laughs> a little bit ambitious, try and just cover I, all of them, you know. But if you love TV, I can see how it would be hard to decide oh, yeah. where to land on that. Really hard. And also what <laughs> I was doing was I was looking at specific archetypes. I made up these types of female character that kept coming up. 
um, yes. a killjoy character, the grotesque character, and a kind of ditzy character, and all these kinds of things. And, and which is uh, so brilliant. And I have to say, I've definitely <laughs> borrowed that from you. I heard I've given you credit. I heard I've given you credit when, where I can. I when heard, I remember, and but, I loved, I yes. loved the Liz Lemon pulling apart Liz Lemon and stuff. I loved that because she's she's brilliant, and I loved it. I just yeah. loved it every second of it. And I think that's what, Bojack builds on mm. what has come before on Thirty Rock. Like without Absolutely. a Thirty Rock, I don't think we could have seen such messy, nuanced characters I like don't, we do in Bojack. Yeah, I don't think we would have. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. So what, do you want to like maybe do a little bit of just sort of, this is what Bojack's about generally yeah. or something, just so yeah. that people let's understand. Do, let's do a little, yes. Yeah. Right, if you haven't seen Bojack, we're probably going to spoil some of it for you, <laughs> but you know what, you should see it anyway. I think I've rewatched it two or three times. Four or five because me. <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> because it is it is that good. Mm. But yes, Lucy, please tell us what is Bojack Horse? It's a Netflix animated series set in Hollywood in an alternate sort of version of the world in which both people and animal people have evolved. So this makes for some really delightful jokes, such as the existence of Parrot Mount Studios, for example, Tin Tarant. Chilino, I can never say that right, instead of Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> um, oh, hit show Krill and Grace instead of Will and Grace. Yes. Famous singer Lama Del Rey. I love that one. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, and Matthew Fox, who is a fox. <laughs> yeah, it has got it's got such great visual such gags great visual going on gags. constantly. Constant like puns, um, just loads of puns. Yes. Like the paparazzi that are birds. Oh my god, love the paparazzi that are birds. And they're able to like fly fly around and get shots (laughs) of celebrities because... Because they're birds. So funny. I love all of yeah. them. And I think I even saw like in a poster, one of the posters in the background of one, one of- was John Ham, and, uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's a pig. And it's a pig because it's ham. So funny. There's um, there's a, There was a poster, the pig bang theory. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, the pig bang theory. That's so funny. <laughs> on and on it goes. On it's just it goes. loaded with these little, so little things. But the show focuses yes. specifically on title character, Bojack Horseman, who is a horse man, and who was the famous lead actor in a cheesy 1990s sitcom called Horsin' Around. And he's done pretty much nothing since then. So he's now a middle-aged has A lot of drinking. A lot uh, of apart drinking. from drinking, yeah. A middle-aged yes. has-been struggling to stay relevant alongside numerous addictions, trauma, and mental health struggles. So, you know, that sounds hilarious, doesn't it? Well, actually, it is. It is hilarious. It is. It is. <laughs> and, and I will say, if you haven't seen it or if you have seen it, the first couple of episodes, mm. they are just kind of goofy. They, are. they do just feel throwaway. They don't feel like they're going to lead to what the show eventually mm. becomes. Oh, absolutely. I've heard some people who actually said that they watched a couple and they weren't, you know, gripped by it. And I said to them, go back to it. Keep watching it. <laughs> it's just easing you into the world. Like, that's that's what the beginning is. It becomes something entirely different on entirely new levels. Because this is the thing, what Bojack does is it definitely balances this brilliant wit and all these lovely deep character work with innovative animated storytelling and with the exploration of really serious issues. I mean, across its six series run, it engaged with things as varied as politics, gender, depression, anxiety, trauma, addiction, discrimination, marital strife, sexuality, single parenting, dementia, trauma, and death. 
<laughs> and that's just off and, the top of my head, really. Yeah, that's that's just a, a small list. <laughs> that's a um, small list. <laughs> they they did some topical things too. Oh, yeah? There was a, a, I don't know if it was a run of episodes. Or it was just one episode where all the Holly woo because at some point <laughs> one of the characters steals the letter D from the Hollywood sign, yeah. so everyone just refers to it as Holly woo. It becomes Holly. They like it. They just leave it. All the Holly woo uh, <laughs> assistants go on strike. Oh, and the yeah. town shuts down. Yes. And that was really um, good. I like that, that one. That was that was paralleling something that was happening. The labor of assistance. Yes. It was it was being analyzed in like fair wages mm-hmm. and all of the really shitty Hollywood practices. Yes. Like the throwing of the stapler. That's not made up. That actually happened. There was wow. a talent agent and I worked at that talent agency. Wow. And he literally threw a stapler. This isn't even a, an uncommon thing. Wow. And I love that they took that on mm. in this show, acknowledging that assistants are treated horribly. <laughs> yeah. Assistants are treated just abominably. Really badly. Um, and they made the point really well. I mean, it was extremely yeah. satirical, but really made its point, like everything ground to a halt. It was quite reminiscent of the pandemic in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was all pre-pandemic. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, childhood trauma mm-hmm. plays a lot Definitely. into the characters that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. and their relationship to Bojack. Because Bojack, mm-hmm. he acts out because of his trauma. He does not know how to deal with his alcoholic mother and his... I don't remember if his dad... His dad was an alcoholic too, right? Uh, Yeah, but I mean... I, I, mean, were, I guess the it's, abuse, it's, the abuse yeah. was the, the verbal and... The abuse was verbal, emotional. There are kind of other layers to it. It's, it is very difficult to describe, obviously, without too many spoilers and stuff, without me just like literally yeah. explaining scenes away. But um, <laughs> it is really bad. Some of the stuff that his father uh, does is, is really quite bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and the stuff that his mother says to him is horrific. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. just really awful. So yeah, you can totally see how he might have some issues. <laughs> yes. And I think that's one of the great things about the show is that it yeah. does dive really deeply. It does explain why all of these characters, as I say, people, but not all of them are people. People and animal people. In the traditional <laughs> in the traditional sense of the word, why they do the things that they do. Yes. And why some of the characters will kind of indulge yes. Bojack because of their own trauma. Yes. It's uh, very it's a big messy pot of things. And this is the thing. It explains. It doesn't necessarily excuse though. No. You know, it doesn't excuse. No. It explains, but I wouldn't say that that absolves anyone of their of any uh, responsibility of their actions. In fact, there's a huge longer long arc that is particularly about responsibility and taking accountability and all these kinds of things that comes into yeah. play. If anything, it's quite. It's actually it's it's so different to other sitcoms. Should I explain a bit, maybe how it's very different to other sitcoms? In fact, yes, <laughs> um, because it it is presented like a sitcom. The episodes are about a half an hour. Correct. Yes, um, they are formatted like that. There is like the traditional yep. ABC yes, stories for the, the majority yep. of them. Not every single one, but most of for them. Most of them, a, yeah, they have the ABC thing. So so there's that kind of element to it. But also yeah. uh, because obviously it is streaming, so there are differences that come into play from that. I have to make clear that I think that it is a sitcom when I write stuff as well, because it actually requires proof almost because of the depth that <laughs> it goes into with things. I mean, there are super sad moments. You yeah. know, it's got real pathos to it. So that I have to justify the fact that it is a sitcom and one of the ways is yeah, it's it's got the right format. It's animated and animated shows historically, you know, starting from uh, Flintstones and uh, and through various iterations 
they were humor-based, originally family and humor-based, but gradually then it became adult animated shows were also sitcoms. They were for humor purposes as well. So, you know, by having it in this style, it's not just very useful for them because of the kinds of things that they're showing, you know, people with people who are animals, obviously easier to draw. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's obviously calling back on uh, and trying to associate itself with this genre. So, more evidence that it's that it is and of course it's really funny as well so that's my main that's my main argument really well it's funny so if it's funny and it means to be funny then that probably means that it's a sitcom but it is like i said unusual as well it it sort of has every kind of comedy for everybody Mm. there are moments of like slapstick people falling over or and fast there's great fast in it at times as well and yeah. the, and the <laughs> yes. wit like really funny witty dialogue as well it's just got every kind of funny go watch it yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing. It amazing if this doesn't make you want to watch it i don't know what will. i don't know what would um yeah uh, you know and obviously it's helmed by uh, a male character mm-hmm. this is true but there are these really interesting women that inhabit yes, this are. world and prop up bojack they do and i think kind of like what you said about linking it to 30 rock in a way I think the treatment of these characters, the female characters in it, it just would not be the same if not for the evolution that has occurred in sitcom, which I can talk about a bit if you want. Uh, yeah, if that helps. Yeah. So, okay. So, so just just for a moment, let's try and situate BoJack in relation to other contemporary sitcoms, because some of the stuff that I start looking at, like I said, my thesis is on sitcom and everything, and some of the earliest ones that I'm looking at are stuff like Friends and Simpsons and Frasier and stuff like that. So, you know, your your standard, big, standout 90s fair. There's a huge, huge difference between that and Bojack. So one of the reasons for this, I think, which is what I started writing about quite a lot when I was writing for this chapter, there is a book that's going to come out basically sometime next year, which is a collection of academic essays about Bojack Horseman particularly. And as far as I'm aware, it is the very first book, academic book, about the series. So it's quite exciting that I got in, that I got myself a little chapter in that. I know. I am so excited. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And hopefully, I mean, at the moment it's in peer review, so hopefully it'll be published next year. So one of the things I wound up talking quite a lot about was that Bojack is in a very different sort of place to these early type ones. And one of the reasons that I figured this might be is because the sitcoms of the 90s were the archetypal peak of postmodernism. So postmodernism in this sense is a reaction to a backlash against the modernism period that came before it, which was characterised by a lot of earnestness and enthusiasm and Americans being like, oh, America's the best, oh, everything can be great, we can do it, and our politics are amazing, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and you know, 2.4 yeah. children, it's great, and all these kinds of ideas, <laughs> and all these beliefs and ideas and systems, which, after the Second World War mostly, when lots of these things systems had like already broken down because of the war, but it came into real fruition in the 60s, when there was a lot of backlash and people going, hey, wait, 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 
but this is rubbish <laughs> sort of saying <laughs> but this is kind of rubbish and they sort of picked apart these ideas and they were like no 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 politics is terrible people are awful like this is terrible you know and i'm sure that it was even made worse by stuff like nixon and all this other kind of stuff all these theories that you were talking about they're awful and it became all about cynicism pulling stuff apart, sort of pastiche, making fun of things, all that kind of stuff. One of the things that's often considered the absolute height and peak of postmodernism is The Simpsons in particular, because it's really, it's the perfect embodiment of postmodern culture in that they would expose a cynical sense of humour, they'd point out all these kind of faults or flaws in Western society, and that would be across everything like politics, religion. They'd poke fun at them. But they'd also kind of make fun of any attempts to change them. And one of the ways that they did that was by essentially having everything return to normal at the beginning of the next episode. I mean, it gave you this sense of hopelessness, like there's no point changing anything. Like, you know, the systems that are in power are just there and they're terrible, aren't they? Yes, they are. But anyway, we can't do anything about it. I think there's even an episode where like they say something like that. Well, now everything can can go back to normal. Yeah. And part of that is obviously making fun of the tropes that were characteristic of sitcoms anyway, but it's also hugely about postmodernism, I think. So that's what peak postmodernism was. But then a whole bunch of things happened, like 9-11 happened and a huge technological revolution happened and <laughs> oh, an economic crash happened and the rise of the far right happened and Um, identity politics came to the fore and all of these kinds of different things happened in the, I'd say, I guess the period is 2000 to 2011-ish generally, which is pointed out as maybe this is when it changed. Because critics now tend to agree that the postmodernism era is over and we're in whatever is next. They don't agree about what that's called. <laughs> they all have they all have different <laughs> ideas about what the period now is, but they all agree, yeah, it's, it's clearly done. There's clearly been a change and there's been a shift in art and culture and politics and all these kinds of things. There's been a shift and it's not the same anymore, but we don't know what it what we call it. I think the best word for what is what we are now in is metamodernism. Like just self-awareness. Yes, because that's one of the things. I mean, and that is postmodern. Self-awareness is one of the postmodern things because it's self-conscious. That's what Simpsons became, isn't it? You know, with all the pastiche and the parody. It's very self-conscious. But meta meaning from metaxis, which means with, between, and beyond, actually. That's what that means. Okay. So metamodernism actually means it's something that kind of is reacting to and responding to postmodernism. It's almost a backlash from to postmodernism. At the same time, it's almost just a continuation and an evolution of uh, postmodernism because we're still seeing a lot of the same stuff and we'll still see it in Bojack. Yeah. You know, there's still pastiche, there's still parody, there's still these kinds of elements. But the thing that's different though is that what metamodernism is about is it mixes that kind of parody and sincerity. It, it like it brings back in some of that earnestness that was in modernism like way back when. And it says, okay, maybe we stop just making fun of stuff, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and maybe we sort of say, but maybe we should change this and what can we do to make this better and all this kind of right. stuff. It brings back in a little bit of, of hopefulness and it, it's about 
mixing that kind of naivete but also a kind of skepticism as well. Like you keep the skepticism, but you bring in some, but maybe this could be better kind of feeling. Right. And so in, so there's this kind of irony, but there's also a sort of, yeah, we know it's kind of bad, but maybe it could be better. And instead of being yeah. totally apath- apathetic, it's also a bit like, hey, we could do something about this as well. There's like some more earnestness in there. And so that's, kind of where it, it where it sort of sits it's a bit like an oscillation between the two things so if you get a bit too sarcastic in something it'll be oh no no let's bring back a bit of sincerity <laughs> let's bring in some sincerity and a bit of emotion <laughs> if it gets a bit too yeah. emotion then it'll like jam a joke in there to try and make that a bit different so does that, does yeah. that kind of make sense that's sort of what the that- idea is now i guess yeah so I-, I would say too there's elements of the resurgence of the anti-hero Oh, totally. Yeah. You've got Don Draper and and Walter White and all of those characters Mm. and that a character doesn't necessarily have to be likable for there to be a show about them. Absolutely. This is a this is interested in. Absolutely. That's definitely one of the things like like, for instance, just Bojack Horseman would not exist if not for this this huge interest in characters that maybe you don't necessarily like or for the antihero kind of thing. So, yeah, that makes total sense as well. That's that's definitely played into this because they just wouldn't be making a sitcom about a character that was that unlikable probably otherwise not that that hasn't happened even quite way back when like for instance basil faulty of faulty towers for instance going back to some british root humor here you know that was that was 70s but that is an unlikable character he is not he is not a great guy yeah all the jokes are at his expense though so it's okay it's kind of okay that you don't like him exactly yes you're still on the right side whereas this This became a situation where the audience is on the side of the character that's behaving badly. You know, this 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 became quite a bit bit of a different thing. So I think it's really interesting. And like you said, you don't think I'm gonna behave like Bojack or (laughs) I think it's okay to behave like that. No. But you identify identify. the things in yourself that that resonate with you. Exactly. And Um, I think that's really key. I think that's really key as well, because metamodern sitcoms possess a warmth and a kind of sincerity that was missing in those kind of slick, all about irony and parody sitcoms and, and series from the 90s and stuff. It, it really injects a sort of sincere quest for meaning into these kinds of things. And I feel like we've seen that in the run up to this. So I think it was there a bit in 30 Rock. It was definitely there hugely in Parks and Recreation. Like super, super strongly yes. there. I mean, it, and so much Parks sincerity. And is much more on that earnest side, yeah. but but it, but it, but again, just the very fact that it was being made suggests that there's a change. That's there. true. And you have characters like Ron Swanson, mm-hmm. who like he, you don't usually have a character like that who politically doesn't align mm. with the rest of the people in his life, and probably not the POV of the showrunners either. No, definitely not their POV, I would say. <laughs> but again, it's really interesting that there's this kind of sincerity and a warmth behind behind it. It's not just about joke, joke, joke. It's not just about, haha, isn't this a really funny, clever takeoff that we've done? Or like, isn't this yeah. a really funny parody that we've done? It's about something a bit more human beneath that, which is and Bojack Horseman is the same. It departs from that postmodern nothing matters or changes paradigm. In fact, these characters, they have real agency. There are constant consequences for their actions, which is something that you'd definitely more usually associate with drama as well. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is because it's a streaming thing. So it's not the kind of thing where people tuned in weekly. The different format meant that it would be binged 
which meant that there was more potential to just keep a story going without even necessarily recapping or doing that kind of thing. Again, also feeds into things like Breaking Bad as well, which also relied on that as their framework as as well. And yeah, that there are consequences and their actions, they play out in continuity, like the Ottoman that gets burnt during an episode and remains charred in the intro sequences thereafter throughout Bojack Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I, detail. Like, that is that detail. Really, yeah, that really is. And I, I think that reflects his inner state, that his house yeah. is always in chaos. And you kind of see when he's going up and down, depending on what's going on in his house and how much destruction, how much <laughs> yes. garbage. And, and, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and yeah, and they do they do really stick to like they they don't just say, well, yeah, no, he got all new furniture or, yeah. or whatever. No, they stick There's to like... these things. That's just to give you like an kind of an idea of why I think this has become different. So we've seen throughout the thousands, particularly since the sort of twenty early twenty tens, we've seen a lot of these types of series now, which have at their core a kind of warm tone to them. That's something that I have to quote tons of times in the chapter because there's these like great authors who talk about how humor has become warmer. In, and I think that that's, yeah, that's absolutely what's at the core of this. It doesn't mean that they can't play with parody. It doesn't mean that they aren't still satirical. Bojack can be shreddingly satirical, but yeah. it's also about the actual characters and it's about forging an emotional connection way beyond just these are characters we see every week doing crazy stuff. It's about forging real emotional connections to these characters. So yeah, that's why I think we see the kind of women that Bojack Horseman create. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these specific women. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start with Diane? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with Diane, I think. Yeah. Diane is, is not a spinster. No. But she's a really, really interesting character. And I think the way she's depicted says a lot about the way that women are in relationships and the things that women give up in order to be in relationships. Absolutely. And and more than that, I, I, I think there's just almost a sense that Diane is a really good example of just sort of women of the current moment in a way as well yeah. you know because of the way that she has to balance her ideologies and her lived experiences and all these kinds of things all these things that don't really mash mash together or match up essentially so yeah diane is i would probably characterize diane as anxious and depressed <laughs> probably yes i'm pretty sure that's what my thesis is gonna say about her <laughs> when, I, when i get to that part um, she's a writer and yeah so she's yes she was introduced into bojack's world because, because she she's wrote his biography mm -hmm. yeah so she's she's a writer and she is in she is in a relationship at the start of the series she ends also in a relationship by the end but they're very Different, very different, different relationships different, and very, very different very different relationships and she is single for a period in the middle and there is some quite interesting stuff there to do with identity and trying to work out who you are and all that kind of stuff so that's one thing that i find really interesting about what they do with diane yeah. but right they do they even change the character design they, yes in the middle of the show and they that do. how often does that i guess a lot of characters bojack undergoes transformation too and in, in how he looks but mm. 
He gets he like lets his mane go gray. Oh he gets right, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's like, in the, like but that's like pet. in the that's like in the last series though. It's not like halfway through. Yeah. But what, what right. it is yeah, really Diane's is like halfway, like halfway through. through. And that's really interesting yeah. because that speaks to me more that makes me think actually of live action sitcom actually when like a character cuts their hair or whatever and obviously their hair is just really cut or something in the real show. But that is yeah. kind of what they what they essentially do. But yeah, so it's really interesting. She sort of feels like she's caught between her creative side, this idealistic and politically driven kind of person that she wants to be, and her lived reality. Because in reality, you know, she has to get money and she can't necessarily write whatever she wants and be successful. There are loads of threads of story where the kind of thing that she likes to write is not the kind of thing that's clickable or, you know, that's that's not binge-worthy or whatever. You know, it, it's not the kind of thing that people want to engage with so there's quite an interesting thing with that a bit of killjoy about her, her in a way actually isn't there in a way yeah <laughs> not like your traditional killjoy she doesn't just come out no. and ruin the fun for her like her own sake or no her having fun no. ruining someone else's fun but it is that she has those ideals that she has these ideals and, and she's trying to put them across and everyone else's response to her makes her out to be a killjoy even though all she's actually doing is stating facts and trying yeah. <laughs> trying to get someone to take notice notice so i think that's really interesting and i feel like that speaks to a lot of women <laughs> just generally at the moment yeah. <laughs> um i think there were lots of really interesting things that they do with her in terms of that the t oh yeah to do with when they mix up with politics and stuff so when they get into gun rights and stuff for example that was really that such a, interesting that has one of my favorite lines yeah. i didn't know that we hated women more than we love guns in this country. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. And like, it's so true. It's completely true. And it was, and again, sharp words there. So true and so satirically, yeah. like just searingly oh satirical and, yes. and yet so true. There's just, yeah, it is so true. In this episode, there's just like mass shooting after mm. mass shooting. And the first one, everyone says things like thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers. prayers. Thoughts, That's the title of the episode. Prayers. It is. It is. It's prayers. called thoughts and prayers. And, thoughts and prayers. And they're like earnest about mm -hmm. it. Like the first mass shooting that happens in this universe. And by the last one, it's just thoughts and prayers. Thoughts like, and prayers. They, they're saying the words. Yeah. And there's, there's there's nothing, nothing behind there. them. It's just like, yeah. I this is the performative thing, and that's what lawmakers in this and country do. They just say that's exactly what the they words. Do. I mean, right? But they don't do they don't do anything about it. about it, even though it's completely within their power to do something. It's right. you know, it's <laughs> yeah. They just say th thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's just oh, what a shame that this totally avoidable thing has happened. That's terrible. <laughs> it's just terrible. I, I I don't know what to say. It's just so terrible. Thoughts and prayers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, onto, on you know, onto the next piece of author. But it's really interesting that, yeah. So it's really interesting what they do in terms of when they tackle that. And I also think, I think you have something interesting to say about how she loses herself. I think in her relationships, which I think is a yeah. really good point. She, because she tends to date people that are the complete opposite of her. Yeah. She is in a relationship with, and then later marries, a character named Mr. Peanut Butter, who's <laughs> a lab, who is also a TV star. <laughs> and he is what I would describe as a puppy boy. He is, but he, he is, is literally a dog man, and he is literally yes. a dog, but 
a man. Yes. No, like, he has the he personality, has the personality of, a dog. of a dog. He is an eternally optimistic. <laughs> Super enthusiastic. Always the bright side. Super enthusiastic. And like he's too he's too dumb for anything bad to ever happen to him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even realize. No, he doesn't realize. And he always just manages to turn the situation around. Yeah. But he is the polar opposite of Diane. Yeah. And a perfect foil for Bojack as well. He is he is literally <laughs> created to be a foil character in the sense of this character will reflect more what Bojack is like just by having them stand next to each other kind of a deal, you know. Um, yeah. Which I think is then really interesting because it comes to a certain point when, when it's not so much about when the storylines aren't entirely about Bojack and Diane necessarily anymore. So Mr. Peanut Butter's purpose as a foil kind of falls a bit to the wayside. And I think that's really interesting because then he becomes a character that kind of gradually gets more and more and more depth. So I think it's really interesting what they do with that. Not many shows that I can think of actually do that. They take this kind of almost non-playable character character and flesh them out slowly but surely over time. And it doesn't this yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you'll grow to like him. I mean, I think I by the end, I think I liked Mr. Peanut Butter a lot less. I, I came to I really liked him at a certain point, not at the very beginning. At the beginning, you're annoyed by him like Bojack is, kind yes. of. Then yeah. I grew to really like him. Then by the end of the series, I did not like him much at all. And that is an exceptional journey to be taken on just as a viewer. Yeah. Like, right. that is by really this crazy. character, that's kind of whole appeal mm-hmm. is um, Positivity. Likeable. Positivity. Yeah. yeah. He's a contemporary of Bojack. Yep. He was in a similar type show <laughs> to Bojack, except he was like a dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. He was just a, a dog that, man that that got some, some kids, kids and, and was yeah and then raised, raised them. <laughs> some kids so yeah there's like horsing around and his was like zoe and zelda Mis- mr peanut butter's house mr peanut butter's house that's right yes yes that's right yeah <laughs> and yeah it's uh the only difference was it was only two children and they were twins <laughs> and that's oh, and that's the wow. only difference between this you know <laughs> these animal people that managed to have like orphans land on their doorstep that they had to raise it's that's basically the only difference and it's just yeah it is really what, funny which says a lot about hollywood too yeah. there are no new ideas and that <laughs> absolutely and that like the best thing or like to make something marketable you're just like take that take and that. you make it slightly different, slightly different. And people People like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said for it. That's almost like a swipe at genre in general, because the whole idea of genre <laughs> is that things have to be enough the same as other things that are the same type that you can look at it and say, that's a so-and-so, because you know that it's that, because it's like other versions of that, but different yeah. enough that you don't go, well, this is the exact same thing as that. This isn't interesting. I'm not going to watch this. So, yeah, interesting. <laughs> and an, an interesting take on sitcoms as well. Exactly. That in the 90s that's what it was it was yep. a catchy theme song and then catchy it was theme. it was about like cute little kids yes it was sort of it was sort it of was precocious. about it was about it was sort of saccharine and there was a kind of moral at the end of every episode almost and yeah. uh, and everything would come neatly to a close and then just something totally different next week kind of thing yeah right and then how bojack is like the opposite of that yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so that so that was Diane. Yeah, Diane. So that was Diane, Diane. and she is really um, interesting. And I do I do appreciate the end of her journey. Yes, she, so do I. She does. She ends up in a relationship, but she's finally happy in that relationship. Yeah, I mean, personally, one of the things that I find the most interesting, just because of what I'm studying, is her resistance to the idea of taking antidepressants. 
Like she doesn't want to take antidepressants. She denies that she's depressed and needs them. And she, you know, and she's obviously like really falling apart and stuff. Yeah. But then she does take them and then she's different. But. Right. Oh, yeah. That's another way they reanimate yeah. this character. She puts on a she lot of weight. She puts on some weight. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting because that just doesn't, that doesn't happen in live action, let alone in an animated situation you know it's very interesting that they actually do that they allow it to that was physically have one of her concerns yeah it was one of the reasons that she didn't want it concerns about taking them yeah right and then she did but she seemed so she seemed so much happier and yeah and was writing more successfully and just yeah just really just really like you say seemed very much more at peace with herself so i do like that she manages to get there in the end it's an interesting girl. Yeah. It's an interesting one, though. I think she resonates with yes. a lot of women. I, th- I think so, too. Yeah. Just that, like, trying to put yourself in a relationship. Yeah. Like, in order to have some kind of identity, but then also, like, trying to figure out who you are in the midst of it. Yeah. And sometimes feeling like, stifled by it. And Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of times where she feels very stifled by Mr. Oh, Peanut she Buck really does. He, yeah. He he is so much of who he is. Yeah. And, the, and it feels like and there is a room for her, or it feels like she has to really essentially she feels like she really has to try to be happy and that's essentially right. what because they're because yeah, they're so different like yeah. he likes to surprise her with big huge things she doesn't she like surprises that. yeah exactly no. it's like they're just fundamentally so different that yeah it's really interesting do you want to talk about yeah. princess carol yes yes let's do let's do she is she is um i don't know if you have a name for the archetype but she is like that hard-working career gal <laughs> yes. she is Bojack's agent slash on again, off again, romantic interest slash slash friend slash fixer slash manager at some point or or is is that when she's left? I don't know. But yes, Princess Carolyn is, I wouldn't say that there's an archetype word for her. She's, except for the general archetype that exists across all TV shows and probably literature in general, which would just be, you know, the working woman kind of idea. Yeah, Yeah. she's kind of that to the max yeah like she is super just constantly shown super career motion. super career driven super busy a natural fixer she and struggling with work-life balance she is seen to search for and fail in the search for long-term love quite consistently in the series she's a little bit like liz lemon too she yeah. does, she wants it all she wants to have it all she wants a family yeah. she wants she wants her career. Absolutely. Oh, also, she's a cat. We should probably mention that she's a cat. Yeah, we should probably say that too. Yes, yeah, she's, she's a, a cat. Uh, a pink. She's a she's, she's a, pink. a bright pink cat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Voiced by Amy Sedaris. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Oh, and Diana's <laughs> Diana's voiced by the equally awesome Alison Brie as well. Also yes. requires acknowledgement. But yes, yeah, so she's a cat, and yeah, she is. She does struggle. She is single with her work life. She balance. does. And she's, yes, she is. She is single. I'd say she's single for the vast majority of the whole series. I do want to talk about some of her relationships, though. Yes. Because you can't not talk about them. Um, (laughs) I think the first major one, besides Bojack, that we see. But Bojack is just somebody that she Mm. has sex with. And I think she's And it's sad because she has invested in him and you can see that. But especially because he was, she she was probably a bit starstruck by him when she was like the assistant originally to uh, to the person who yeah. like represented him, and she's grown through, grown up and grown into being actually his representative. But they also like still sleep together, and and they obviously have this relationship, and and she's the one who gets called when anything's going on with him, all this kind of stuff. But he is also yeah. like so I, self-centered. I think even at the beginning, it's it seems like 
she is outgrowing him or she's yes, trying to outgrow definitely, him. Definitely, because she's I mean it does it, it does start with her basically breaking up with him, right? So yeah, it, it is it, it like is multiple, like but multiple times. But, but yeah. that's yeah, that's the problem though. It does feel like multiple times in a way. But yeah, so they have this really long history and everything. So there is a real sense of that there has been a lot of emo- emotional investment there, I think, which just kind of makes it sadder when you realise because you get to see so many flashbacks over the series and everything and they're really good at filling out that background and you realize just how long she's known him just how long the sort of sleeping with and in and out of the relationships that's been going on so you do appreciate as it gets further in you appreciate that she's left that behind you appreciate that she stopped going there with him but uh but yes you want to talk about her first major because it's hilarious and i'm sure we can dissect it (laughs) one of the first boyfriends is Vincent, oh, Vincent, adult man, Vincent adult man who has three children stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, so what I find interesting about Vincent adult man... <laughs> he works at the business he works, factory. He works at the business. He does the business. <laughs> um, uh, what I find interesting is that Bojack is the only one that seems to see through this and seems to be saying, well, this is just a child. You know, this is just <laughs> children. Are you seriously suggesting that this is your boyfriend? Are you seriously suggesting this? And everyone else just says, you know, just because you're jealous or whatever, it's like, it's like, uh, no, you're not saying that this is literally children in a trench coat, you know, kind of thing. So that yeah. seems really interesting and- because obviously Princess Carolyn is a very smart woman. So it right. kind of speaks to almost, it, it almost seems to me anyway, to harken back to that kind of idea of the desperate woman, the sort of desperate woman who doesn't want to see what's really good, doesn't want to see that this is doomed to failure because they really, really want something to work out kind of thing. Yeah. That's and what uh, I, see. I think a little bit of it is performative in at Bojack of like, look how happy, look how that happy I am. Is. Look at how this person listens to me. <laughs> yes. Look at, look at. But then like, um, doesn't she, but she obviously really doesn't, doesn't realize because at one point she, she seems to think that he's cheating on her something doesn't like it's so yeah it's so farcical and ridiculous like as well like when the child who is now pretending to be the son of vincent adult man vincent um <laughs> is never it won't will never appear in the same room at the same time they won't be in the same room at the same time <laughs> right so it, it does get and- super farcical and yet she still doesn't twig and again that just speaks to me as because she's such a smart character otherwise seems like it's a comment on desperation or blindness of love or something like that you know it just seems like yeah. that's kind of what it's not it's sort of nudging us toward yeah it does it does it does it does read a bit <laughs> like that and i guess we sort of have to establish that for her in having this relationship that she doesn't have to put a lot of effort into yeah. because he is not a real <laughs> yes, person not a real person children in a trench yeah <laughs> that's true there's, there's also the idea because, that, that 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 kind of weirdly fits for her because there is no real investment there, really. You know, the right. real things that should be happening are actually not happening, which, which again, plays into why it's performative, perhaps, because she's making out that there's more to this kind of than there possibly can be, because obviously you know that they're not intimate, for instance. You know that you right. know that nothing like that's gone on. And obviously, <laughs> I suppose, you know as well, that she's only been able to have dates with them outside school hours. <laughs> you know, so... Right. So, you know. So it's, yeah very very limited but you're right she doesn't seem to put that much effort into this relationship and it just allows her to focus on whatever career things are happening whatever she needs to do Mm. to get her clients 
booked because she does have like long standing rivalries with other yes. agents and other <laughs> and other Hollywood people. Yeah. She is so well written. Loads of people say that she's the best written character in Bojack, and I can see why they say that. I, I personally might actually say that it's Bojack. Maybe I don't know. It's hard for me to judge actually, but she would be a very close second in my opinion, if not the actual best written character, because there is so much depth. So much interest. I mean, she's got from her past as well that she's got certain hang-ups about certain things. It's partly why she considers herself someone who fixes everything. And she's quite self-aware. She knows that she does this and at one point still steps in and puts out the fire. Like, even though she knows that she's only doing it because she's the person who puts out the fires, she still right. she still decides to do it. And I think that's really interesting. There's just so much growth in, within her character arc overall. Of course, essentially she goes the Liz Lemon route, doesn't she? Because you know, she she does. She goes the she, she goes the Liz Lemon route. So another link there because she decides actually, you know what, if I can't get the full family that I want, then I'm just gonna get the baby that I want. You know, I just want to start this family. I want to be a mum. And so she gets yeah. so she gets a child. And it's really interesting the the honest way in which they show that because they show the struggle that she has with the work-life balance once that happens and that it's quite hard to bond with her adopted baby and all these kinds of things. It's really interesting. Right. And especially while she's trying to do all these other things. Yes. Like how, because this is animated, yeah. they have this absolutely fantastic way oh of showing gosh, so how overextended good. she is, where you see just multiple versions of her in kind of like ghostly, ghostly different, shadow Ghostly, form. shadowy, multicolored different versions of her that all represent different aspects of what she's expected and required to do in the different roles in her life. Yes. Like, you know, um, everything to do with childcare is like a pink version of her or everything to do with work is like a green version of her, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you can just see all of the responsibilities that are piled on top of her, all that are supposed to be carried out at once. It's exceptional, that episode, the way that they do that. I mean, it's really amazing. Yes. I, the word that would pop to my mind for that is emotional labor, because yes. in that episode, yes. I believe she has to plan a whole gala yes to, on top of everything else she's doing on top yeah. of the work she's doing for clients and parenting and parenting and, and, and whatever else then she also has this other thing this other and thing. that's is a thing that happens to women yes. a lot is that hey plan the party we're not going to pay you anymore it is her company mm -hmm. but she is that kind of person who would just like take on all these different roles and responsibilities way beyond what your job remit would be way beyond what what you might be expected to sort of balance out when you're a new mother and stuff because I mean obviously she doesn't really have any help much she does have Todd Todd helps her she gets she gets yeah, she, she has she has she, she has Todd <laughs> so that she can sort of have her like workouts but at the same time what that sort of shows you is that even when she's doing one thing she'll be thinking about the other things you know she'll be yeah. you know that the other things are still emotionally and and impacting on her thoughts and all these kinds of things. It's like she really is always constantly doing eight things at once. And I think that was exceptional. The ways that Bojack explores story with animation is outstanding. I mean, that's just one of the other reasons that it's such an exceptional program that, you know, it means to me, it's not just an exceptional sitcom that just makes it an exceptional program 
full stop yes. because they yeah. put I know. they show things that just you can't really even work out how you'd show them and they've actually taken a go at it and it's amazing some episodes are look like really straightforward mm-hmm. and some are just like pure eye candy yeah. and there's a, an episode with diane where she is having writer's block mm-hmm. there's a particularly like great sequence that i just that always stands out to me <laughs> of where she's writing and like her inner monologue and then the animation that's on the screen of just <laughs> yeah. like this you know like slow and then and the, yeah the sort of sort of slow breakdown and sort of like why would you write like this or why would do you why do you think i would do this like the character actually saying why would i do this or why would i do that or something just questioning <laughs> and picking it apart and everything and that's a great example of the way that, that it does that another example obviously is how they split Princess Carolyn. And, and another most pro- possibly most quoted one would be the way that they deal with, with Beatrice, Beatrice Horseman's. Oh, because yeah, that's something dementia. that's something that is completely I've never seen seen an attempt to depict dementia, possibly at all, really, but certainly never to that level. And it's incredible the way that the animation... It's it's gutting. It's gutting, but it's it's incredible the way that the animation jars between present and her old, old memories, you know, like when she's a teenager or whatever, the really distant past And and how it sort of intermingles and how certain characters, like, they don't have a face like they just don't have a face in the memory because those are things that aren't actually standing out to her or that she actually has forgotten. It's like so, oh my gosh. And the way that prompts in real life have made her go and remember certain aspects. And it just is incredible because she's such a terrible character as Bojack's mother. She's she's been a terrible mother, a terrible person. You have absolutely the worst opinion of this character. And then in this one episode, you understand how she was mistreated, how she was put upon, how how she had this kind of really challenging life and lots of challenging circumstances. And her own decision to keep Bojack when she fell pregnant was what seemed Uh, to destroy her life in her whole whole, life. Even like before that, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot about like diet culture. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. And yeah. And right. And like how she was doped up on uppers like yeah. meth or something basically her whole because life the 60s. so she didn't get fat so yeah yeah i mean it's exactly was... it's that kind of deputant culture and all that kind of stuff and images everything that, oh and God. and you know and that she had a really episode. she had a really really clever mind as well but you know her stuff like her father saying ha, 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 we didn't send you to college to make you think you just want yeah. you're just supposed to get married all that kind There's, of stuff um, you know? that episode where she meets bojack's dad is a debutante ball, her like debutante yes. coming out ball. Yes. And her debut, she literally, I mean, she, yes, she's a horse, but she's literally like trotted out. Yeah. And, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And like goes around. And she has, like to, a do, she show has horse. to go around like a show horse doing like jumps and stuff. It's so yeah. weird. It's such an interesting way to make that absurd it's not diff it's not that different to what really happens it's not it's like no. they make it they make it seem ridiculous again perfect use of comedy they make it seem ridiculous that you would do dressage in a room full of people and you just do like a little pirouette and you jump over these like hoops and things <laughs> like they make it seem ridiculous but how is it actually much less yeah, how, how, how is it actually any different really it's still yeah. just showing off what just how you look and how you can behave that, what else is there to yes. it apart from that? That's all that there is. And it does an excellent right. job of making the reality ridiculous. So good. Yeah. And so much too about the repressed emotion. Oh, yeah. That's kind of behind the whole 
show. Yeah. And I think it goes along with the the meta modernism mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that that backlash to that like sardonic detachment yes. is that we're all so much more open to talking about feelings. Absolutely. And all these characters are coming from a time and a place where you didn't. Absolutely. And yeah. feelings feelings were something that were packed away. And, and I think interestingly, even Bojack to deal with even Bojack is more of that prior way of being, which is why he struggles so much. You know, even that yeah. even that's one of He's, the reasons. Like the tap's just been opened up a little yeah. bit on those emotions. Yeah. You know, you would expect like a trickle, but it's just kind of all coming mm. out and it's not controlled and it's spraying and it's not everywhere. Controlled, like yeah. he's not he's not in control of, of it's not what's and, and that's clearly a lot of it down to trauma and everything. And it's and the show does a great what does a great job of, of explaining all these things whilst not making it not his fault when he acts out and the ways in which he acts out and there are real consequences for the things that he does. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think is just expertly handled, really. And all the women expertly, very deftly characterized, I think. Yes. Throughout. I do want to talk about Princess Caroline. And so in the end, she does end up mm-hmm. married. About that relationship and kind of her arc oh, yes. through that yes, relationship. Yeah. Because she dated Bojack for a mm-hmm. while and he was someone who just used her yes. and ignored her. And she ends up with, and I don't love the power dynamic here. She ends up <laughs> yes. marrying her assist, her biggest <laughs> former assistant, co-worker type person. Mm, yes. She doesn't like come on to him. I guess like they do depict it in a way where like he is giving his consent. Yeah. And she is not pursuing him. I it's mean, just it's more sort like of... he shows up and says, I, I love you. Yes. And she says, oh. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, um, I do like that because from... it is, it surprised me a bit, I'll admit. But at the same time, yeah. I was like, oh, this makes sense, kind of, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and he just says it, it, it again. He's, she's quite passionate and all these kinds of things. And, and he is extremely controlled. But yeah. extremely controlled, extremely responsible, extremely responsive to her needs. I mean, that's literally what his yes. job was. But he went above and beyond whatever his job was. And suddenly you realize why he loves her. And it's like, oh. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it does It does make all of that yeah. make so much more sense. Mm. And it's just like the evolution of her being able to accept that. Mm. Because he's the complete opposite of Bojack. He gives more than he takes. Yeah. And Bojack took everything. Yeah. And she was used and, to being a fixing type of person. But actually, he is who fixes things for her. So right. I love that. Yes. I love that. And we do. We get into Princess Carolyn's backstory of she has an alcoholic mother. Yeah. And a like a house full of siblings. Yeah, so Her mom she had twelve. Yeah, so she really kids. had to. She really had to step up. She was, you know, she was working like as a maid and stuff, and all that yeah. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, basically, she had to do her mother's work because her mom would be drunk and, or whatever, and not. And just, that is a common thing. That's, yeah. with children of addicts. Yes, they take on that parent they, role. Yeah, and then they just kind of never stop. Never stop exactly. That, so which that's that again makes it so lovely who she ends up with because. You know, it yeah. couldn't it couldn't make more sense, really, and it couldn't be better for her emotionally and everything for her either. So I, I like that. And as much as I cheer when characters do stay single, mm-hmm. I guess it should be for the right reasons. And yes. she gets married for the right reasons. Absolutely. It makes sense at that point in her life. She's not doing it just because there is another scene in the middle of the series mm-hmm. where she's having an affair with a coworker, mm. and he also uses yeah, her. He does. And he, at some point, she's just done with his nonsense. Mm. And she sees how she can just, like, disconnect from him. 
And she tells him, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to kiss you anymore. I don't want to be in, in this whatever this is with you anymore. And he has a whole tirade <laughs> about like how she's old. She's in her 40s. She'll never find anybody. He's the best that she's ever going to do. So she shouldn't be picky. <laughs> and she just responds with, I'm. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to be alone. Yeah. And the same thing happens, isn't that like when uh, when that ex of hers runs into her again? And uh, this is when she's already got the baby and he wants to get back together with her suddenly. And she's all like, uh, no, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm fine <laughs> being single. You know, he's like, but you want, but you need someone to help you. You need like, you know, and she's like, no, I don't. I'm, right. I'm happy to just be a mother to this baby i don't i don't want to be with you you know which right. again was great because this oh, because yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't need i don't need, don't need to be with you to be with you but it's not even that it's like i don't want to be with you either and that's just her choice right. she doesn't want it so yeah lovely love it <laughs> yeah yeah so even though she does not end up a spinster i think she's a great spinster character mm. yeah because that's you... what the majority of the role was right. even though she does end up partnered up it's in a good way it's in the right way and it wasn't there was no desperation involved whatsoever she was she was turning down people and wanting to just be single with her child but then the right person was there and had been there for a long time so right made sense yeah so we've talked a little bit about like bojack did some awful Mm -hmm. awful awful things princess carolyn often picked up the pieces but do you want to talk a little bit about some of the awful things that he did to women and that there were some repercussions for and some actually that there there were no repercussions for yeah so i guess again this is very this is getting very spoiler territory here but uh it is but it is. <laughs> so you know if if you don't want to know <laughs> yeah you can stop listening, stop listening here, here and then you can watch it binge it and then, and then come, come back, back this. yeah we'll wait Go go now, and we'll wait. Yeah, go now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, very significant one would be he almost does something with a friend's daughter, and yeah. she is. Oh God, that one is just. She just is like sixteen or something, isn't she? Or seventeen? Yeah, seventeen maybe. She's in high school. Yeah, I don't. Right, she's high school. She, and yeah. and it's it's very it's oh it's very murky this because <laughs> because she is she is vulnerable there is a ridiculous power dynamic going on she looks right. up to him she's got to know him and, she, and you know he is trusted he is a trusted like family friend to her but there's also an imbalance of power there not just from the age but also from fame she wants to yeah. be with him. And and he was saying no, but then she sort of just turns up in his room kind of anyway. And if not for the fact that her mother walks in and stops things, he doesn't know what he would have done is the essential thing. And he likes to believe that he wouldn't have gone through with it. But he also thinks that maybe he would have. And this this obviously yeah. haunts him. It really does haunt him. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, he, he later tries to make amends for it. Mm. But he ends up kind of traumatizing But he kind her. of re-traumatizes her. Again. Because, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> um, right. Because, I mean, he just, just shows up, up again in her life. Yeah, yeah he you just can't, shows you can't up. can't just turn and... up. So right. it's very interesting because he's because it's on his mind so much and it's such a regret that he winds up acting out because he is high and he tries to does, do that. Again, re-traumatizes her a bit. Uh, and, I, and I think that I feel like that's probably not even the first time 
that that had happened. I don't know. I would but, I would venture that it probably hasn't happened before. That not that he's aware of anyway. Maybe not with someone that's underage. Yeah, not with someone underage. Like blurring those lines of of consent. Yeah, the blurring of consent. It would be definitely. I think the first time maybe that that's that's happened. And if he had been with anyone underage, I think it would only be because. He didn't realize that. <laughs> I think it would be because he didn't realize, right. which is still his responsibility, though. I mean, it's still his Absolutely. responsibility. Again, Absolutely, that doesn't negate anything. I'm just saying. No. I'm just saying that that no, he actually I, knew her age and everything when this happened, and he still wasn't I, sure if he would do, he would have done it. Yeah, and I think there's never any like magic bullet mm. for him to escape from under this. This kind of always does follow mm-hmm. him. It's this, always like, follows him. Hint comes up people close to him start to eventually hear about it and all that kind of thing and that really brings it up more again becomes a bone of contention between those people that know and him all those kinds of things so yeah that that's that's not a great thing other not so great things would probably i mean the next greatest thing to me in fact in some ways of equal if not even worse would be what happens with gina so he has a co-worker called Gina, who is a really interesting character. I think she's used for the purposes of plot more than being a character, I would say. Uh, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. But I, still I, has a lot of impact. You know, there are, There's still a lot of impact she on does, her. She does. But, you know. I, and, you know, you have to factor into, like, when these the episodes with Gina would have come yeah. out. It was right around the whole This was Me Too, too but this was Me Too based entirely. So she is a single actress who only wants to be single as well. Very interesting. She has no interest in permanent relationships. She's very ambitious. She's quite dry and she's very cynical, but that, but she's also really professional, even though the whole reason that she's cynical is because of the inequality of Hollywood and all the gender politics yes. at play. It really is it really is kind of terrible. So yeah, those things really do a number on her and she's really just trying to eke out whatever she can. She gets surprising success when she's co-starring with Bojack. Then Bojack is on a real downward spiral. He's yeah. high on pain medication, I think, at the time. And he gets completely physical with her. He is strangling her. He is throttling her because he's he doesn't really know the difference between the character and him and it's expert it's again it's a it's an example of the show being really really clever because of the intercutting between things that are him filming and things that are his life and things that he would be saying to people in reality and things that are just the lines in the show and all that kind of like the intercutting it really gives you the impression of what his life the life that he was living must have been like and how confusing it must have been. But again, right. it doesn't and, excuse and his him. actual like perspective. Yeah, his of, actual perspective, of how exactly. He was feeling. Exactly. And not I think, yes, you it can explains explain it. these behaviors. It explains it. So that you can that makes it more palatable. It does make it more palatable. And, and watch. It makes it more because palatable. Because if you're just seeing like he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you want it makes it more explainable episode? because because you know that he didn't he wasn't consciously doing it to her. He thought that he was doing. Yeah. He thought that he was doing this to like a character or something. You know, it's it's really strange and bizarre. But you know, you realize exactly where his mind is. But that doesn't negate the fact that that's what he did, and it was really terrible and really bad. Right. And and that there are consequences, there are consequences because uh, the, everybody everyone's seen it. Films. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's seen it. Like, everyone sees it. And it gets filmed, and, and her reaction too, mm. Gina's reaction, because they are they are hooking up. I think, and I think they'd stopped by that time, though. I think, um, have they? Maybe, maybe, maybe they, they were remember. hooking but, up. But yeah, but 
I will say there is something like terrifying about you have let this person mm. into your physical space oh, yeah. and you're that intimate with and you didn't know that they had that side. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really scary. Like, that's totally scary. That's really scary. That's absolutely scary. Uh, but actually, I, the thing that I found kind of the most scary was just the idea that you could be doing work. You could be just working and this can just happen to you. People can even be watching it happening right. to you. There was a right. lot to be said there and about like the sort of, you know, sexual harassment and, and workplace kind of stuff. I mean, people did step in eventually, but at first, yeah. at first they thought that it was the acting. It was just the scene. So yeah. I thought I found that terrifying because I thought the line between acting and someone actually being uncomfortable, how blurry must that line be anyway? You know? How many directors have done that and, to female Oh my God, so many. Stars. More than you can count, really. Yeah. Loads of them uh, coming out and talking about it now, but I mean... Right. But so much, but so many more. The that last aren't. tango in Paris. Oh, yeah. That they didn't tell that mm-hmm. the actress that she was essentially going to be anally raped. They didn't, oh my God. They didn't tell her about I know. that. It's absolutely um, terrible. But that's exactly that's what that sort of represented to me in many ways. The kind of the ability yes. for workplace violence to even just be occurring without being stopped straight away as well. It was like right. it was really scary. But yeah, what's most telling about this is Gina's reaction because mm. he is very guilty and he feels terrible and he wants to confess and say what was going on and and leave the show and you know he wants to take all the responsibility. She says, "No, you won't be taking this away from me. This is the show that's getting me somewhere," which you can understand, you know, she's been she was working for like what 10 years or something getting teeny weeny bit parts and this is the first show that's got her actually going somewhere and she's getting offers for like real roles but more than that she didn't want to just become known as his victim which you know so that's denying her own mental and emotional scarring for right for for a career for for her career and also to not want to be branded and labeled in a way that she doesn't have any control over and i thought that was really interesting and powerful yes that says a lot about the women from the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. when people are like, well, why didn't you speak up earlier? Why didn't you say mm-hmm. something earlier? And Gina had the fortune, fortune, I guess, mm. for it to be documented. Yes. Like, there was no denying what happened. No. It wasn't his word against hers. It but was, for her, it was actually unfortunate. She didn't want that highlight. Right. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. just to sympathize with some of those women that mm. didn't come forward. Absolutely. And it was reasons like, well, I didn't want my career ruined. Mm-hmm. And... Or um, I didn't want to be yeah, known as the person who was just famous because of what he did right. to me. Yeah. Because I think she says something like that. I didn't want, I don't want to be just famous because of what you've done to me. You know, it's really interesting because you can totally understand where she's coming from. And yet really all it does is highlight that there is a real problem here. Right. There's a real yeah. problem that that's the tack some women would have to take if they wanted to still have a career, you know? It There's does. Really it does. There. It's absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. But this is real. And I love that they make it complicated and thorny. Yeah, they do. Exactly. It's not as straightforward as like, well, that was wrong. And you're going to pay the consequences. Like he does. He avoids some of the consequences. He avoids some. uh, And I think it's really interesting because he feels very guilty and bad about avoiding those consequences. He wants to take responsibility when that stuff happens with Gina. But instead, Gina forces him to lie in an interview with her and for them to just say that they were acting and that they did it really well, you know? And I think, and that is really, that's quite harrowing in in a way to watch that. And it's bad because also you know that he wants to be taking responsibility and he wants to do right by her, but she doesn't want that because of what that actually means in reality for her. So it's just, yeah, difficult. And also I think then he just gets to 
say I'm sorry mm-hmm. because he's the kind of character that he's not going to take a real responsibility. Mm-hmm. He's going to say that he's sorry. And after that, anyone who calls him on it, he's going to be like, what? I apologized. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's thorny. Like it's that, murky. That, <laughs> yeah, it's very murky and complicated. That's what life is like. Exactly. Is I, and I do think it's really interesting. Dry. It's just such an interesting program, the way that they managed to bring in all of these things. There's such a realism, but I don't use that word to suggest quality as some might because i think that a sitcom isn't a good sitcom because it's realistic that's not what a good sitcom would be necessarily you know but i would say that it's realism brings forward more of that sort of metamodernist feel of connection to the characters because these are very real written characters and i think that's one of the reasons why it's incongruous and really funny and interesting and such a parody that they look so unrealistic <laughs> because the yeah. thing that's real about them is the characters that they are. It's not how they appear. I think that's just another added yes. and idea the, of the interest. And like the way you feel watching oh, yeah. this show. Mm. It's impossible not to feel something. Yeah. I guess the first couple episodes, I didn't really feel anything. But I, Well, I find the first you, couple of episodes really, really funny. So I was like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> so I did feel something, but I didn't feel necessarily the gut punches or the ooh feelings that I got later on. Yeah. Because again, I, I wasn't seeing the mastery yet, but there is real mastery in how it's done, how it's directed, how it's put together. It, it really allows you to be a smart watcher, I think. It, it isn't it is a spoon feeding you everything it's allowing space for you to have your own thoughts about the things that are happening there's space there for interpretation of things and again i just find this really interesting and in terms of genre it really is less common very much less common to find things that are doing this that are sitcoms it's more like the space that audiences get given in things that would be considered what is the word i can't, can't remember the word prestige, prestige TV. tv it is that's it right is, yeah i think prestige it's one of the first drama. things they did that was prestige prestige tv yes. um, it is much more in common were, with prestige tv yes yes there were a bunch of shows that kind of came out around the same time. I'm transparent. Uh, You're the worst. Uh, All these shows that are, they're funny, but they are trying to tackle. Oh, right. Yes. Real issues. And not in like a, Mm. yeah, not in a like after school special kind of way, but by putting their characters through it. Maybe put the good, the good place in there. Maybe. Um, it definitely touches on some things that are much deeper, but it's a bit I mean, and I guess because it's still, it's still network. Yeah, it is yeah, still a bit network, it's still, though. It's still, yeah. even though it was life and death, it was still a little bit lighter than, yeah. like, Transparent is a very, very True. heavy That's, show. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose. Like, I can't think of anything else that feels quite the well, same I, then. Yeah. I suppose because The Good Place was Michael Schur. Yeah. And so it's it just, all of his stuff has that feel. Yeah, yeah. That office, yeah, person wreck it does. kind of it feel does where... Yeah. I think the difference there is like he, he takes characters that are unlikable but makes them mm, likable. True. Where in Bojack, you never, you never, you never necessarily know where you, you stand never, because it's done so well that you can change your opinion quite drastically from one season to the next, and that's one of the joys yeah. of watching it. He grows, but I think mm. his growth is mm. a lot slower. Just our growth, yeah, yeah. But again, that's one of the other reasons in which that it is quite realistic. There are dips, there are peaks and furrows. He makes progress, 
then he slides back and he takes drugs or he, or he starts drinking again or something. I think it's really interesting when you see it with Diane. So you see it with Diane when she's yes. run away a bit and she comes back and she's actually hiding out at Bojack's. And she is, she's being slovenly. She's, you know, she's just wearing pajamas all day. She's drinking gratuitous amounts of alcohol. Yeah. And they don't really go into the psychology behind this or, well, that's a bit concerning. When you watch it with Diane... You don't judge her exactly at all. It's more that you feel concerned. I didn't yeah. feel, ew, Diane, you look so gross. I just thought, oh, no. dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> it just made me concerned to see Diane that way. And that was a real, that was a moment when I really thought to myself, this is a very different type of show because I would not be feeling like this if I was watching a postmodern sitcom. I would just, right. I would, yeah, you know, you'd be like, I'd just be ew, like, it's just ew, ew and her, or I'd be yeah. laughing at it because it's so ew. That's the way that you'd be reacting yes. to those kind of things. Whereas this, it's got, you've got the emotional connection, you know, that there are deeper things to, at work at play there. And you also know that they're probably going to be gone into at some point as well. So you are just sort of more on the edge of your seat, sort of, oh, come on, come out of it, Diane, kind of thing. How is she going to resolve yeah. this? And they're all just, yeah, you know, they're all just so well written. All the women in the series are just so well written. And all of their yeah. arcs are so interesting. They really are so so interesting whether they wind up paired with someone or not you know they are very very interesting pairings interesting yeah. characters so yeah i am looking forward to seeing more shows where we have female characters that are written this way yeah spinsters are not single women are not yes. that they're just they're able to we're able to understand them as well as we were able to understand these characters absolutely and i, I do feel like Although Bojack is very much a standout, as I have said many times, I think it is also one of a wave of these new types of sitcoms. We've seen it at Parks and Rec is one that I consider to, to fit that model. The Office became one that I think fit that model. You've got stuff like, uh, oh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt very much fits that model. The Good Place as well, I would probably put that down. Oh, uh, Community that one's actually very, very postmodern because of its treatment. Its yeah. treatment of things. It's very postmodern, but you also really have a real emotional connection to all these characters. And when things happen, even though they are very postmodern or gimmicky, they always have a purpose. Like the purpose is to link to something that's more emotional on a different level. Like it's almost like the gimmick is being made as a sort of pathway or something to cover up the fact that there's some real emotional stuff going on there and it's a way to explore yeah. it so even with things like community there's a whole lot more out there and i think we'll see a lot more to come as well i really really hope so tell us where people can find you online find me okay Please. so they could find me on instagram i'm lucy underscore rivers underscore pgr on linkedin i'm linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Lucy Rivers. And Twitter, it's Lucy R-I-P-H-D. So any of those places you can generally find me. Amazing. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you so much for having me back here. This was so fun. <laughs> this was great. This was great. And I'm I'm glad we got to do this because this was one show we didn't get to talk about in the yes. first episode because we had so much to say about so all the much. other shows. Yes, there was so much to cover. And <laughs> and you're such an expert. So I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about this one amazing show. Thank you. I was I'm very pleased to have managed to nerd out on full maximum nerd setting with you today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.